Good to see everybody. How are you doing? You well? I want to welcome again our guests. I want to thank you for making us a part of your Sunday this evening. And we really hope that you feel at home and that this evening will be meaningful to you. Um, we are concluding this evening our series on the King's Letter. Uh, for the last four weeks, we've been looking through the book of Song of Solomon, a romantic book between a man and a woman. Um, but the deeper meaning of this book is also this allegory of the church being represented by the woman and uh, Jesus being represented by King Solomon. That Jesus himself doesn't just want to save us, but he wants to relate to us intimately. He wants us to know him, and he wants you, he wants us to know him, but also that we might get the, the privilege that he might also get to know us deeply. Let me say it like that. So we're going to look at Song of Songs, chapter 8, two verses this evening, verses 6 to 7. If you have your Bibles, wouldn't mind please taking them out, verses 6 to 7. All right, is it okay if you could join me as we stand to read the scripture this evening? <clears throat> All right. Set me as a seal upon your heart, as a seal upon your arm, for love is strong as death, jealousy is fierce as the grave. It flashes, are flashes of fire, the very flame of the Lord. Many waters cannot quench love, neither can floods drown it. If a man offered for love all the wealth of his house, he would be utterly despised. Lord, we thank you for your word this evening. We pray that as we go into your word, that you would speak into our hearts. Speak through me and allow your words to flood over our minds and our lives in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. All right. Two weeks ago, I shared a message entitled Decisions of Devotion, and I want to do a part two this evening as we look at how we as believers can live devoted lives to God. How many of you know that devotion is not as easy as it sounds? In fact, sometimes being devoted in our culture that promotes quick fixes, and mics that don't work can be a rather tough thing because more often than not, we, we want to take quick steps to intimacy. We want to find the easiest way to find the greatest satisfaction. But there are disciplines to love. There are disciplines to devotion. This evening, I want to continue where we started off two weeks ago by sharing three further decisions of devotion that all of us must have if we are to be a people of devotion. One, we need to decide and know that we are in Christ. Two, we need to be convinced by Christ. And three, we need to be willing to understand that we will endure with Christ. We will endure with Christ. The Shulamite maiden in verse 6 starts off by these very powerful words. She says, set me as a seal upon your heart, as a seal upon your arm. 
seat. Here we go. I think that's better. Is that okay? Less feedback. Set me as a seal upon your heart and a seal upon your arm. Now, the text talks about this thing, uh, the seal. If you look in the Old Testament, Exodus 28, we have this image of the high priest about to go into, ho- into the Holy of Holies. But God instructs the high priest to put on certain garments. And he's putting on all these multifaceted, multicolored garments. Many of them are gems. And he looks powerful, looks very beautiful. All these uh, gems that create this beautiful image of this high priest walking into the presence of God. And yet God says to him this, that he wants him to engrave the names of the tribes of Israel on this garment. And so when he walks in to the Holy of Holies, not only do the tribes of Israel walk in with the high priest and receive the redemption that comes from the presence of God, but now they receive the blessing that comes from being in the presence of God. What this woman is asking for is she's asking for her name to be engraved in the heart of the king. She is desiring for him to not only love him, but to think of her, to be intentional towards her. My my favorite part in this text are the first two words, which say, set me. Here's what she's actually saying. She's saying, king, I don't want you to just give me your attention or affection for a moment. But I want you to place me in a place. Position me in a place whereby I will receive your attention, your affections forever. That I will be placed in a a, a permanent place in your heart. That no matter where I am, no matter what I do, your love and affection for me doesn't change. So engrave my name on your heart. Engrave my name on your arm. There's the whole image of her name being engraved, sealed on the arm, is that when the, the, the husband or the king would walk around the city, her name would be seen in public. That whoever sees the king would see her name being the seal in his hand. We are engraved in the heart of God. Paul puts it differently. What was a desire in this woman's heart is actually a reality in our lives. Paul says it like this. He says, you and I are in Christ. We have been placed in a position of continuous and forever blessing. That there is nothing we can do that can separate us from this blessing because we are positioned in Christ. help me there at the back okay. Lord can't be one of those nights tonight so do what you need to do amen John 17 verse 23 says this I am in them this is Jesus speaking and you are in me may they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. That last line is what I want you to see. We have been placed in a position in Christ whereby God himself loves us the same way that he loved his son. 
Now, have you ever fathomed how God the Father loved his son? How does he love his son? And do we expect to be loved in the same way? There's a friend of mine who I met a few days ago, and we were having a discussion. And I got permission to share the story. He was telling me of how he grew up and how his dad used to uh, come at like past 10 some nights. And when he would come at like past 10, everybody was sleeping. He, his dad would play some music. And there were certain songs that he would play that everybody in the house knew that, oh, my word, dad is going to ask all of us to stand up and dance with him. And so sure enough, he would come play the, play the tape, and then he would ask all his kids. He had three sons, uh, and then all his kids and his wife to come out to the foyer and to dance with him. So they came out, rather, to the lounge, and they danced with the dad. And, but the youngest, who's my friend, the youngest used to dance like crazy, stand on tables, on chairs. And so, you know, the dad used to call him nicknames, and it was amazing. But the older two brothers were quite irritated by the fact that the dad had uh, woken them up from their sleep. And so they didn't dance. They kind of grudgingly walked around like, ah, man, I was in my dream watching ESPS, whatever. You should have just let me sleep. And, but what ended up happening over the time, over time, the two older brothers started having this irritation towards the younger brother because they saw how the dad delighted in him. A few years later, the dad passes away, and as they grew up, they're in their 50s or 60s now, as they grew up, they grew up with this hardness of heart and bitterness towards the youngest brother. Years later, recently, when their marriage was breaking down, they asked the, 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 the younger brother to come and help both of their marriages. When their relationship between the two older brothers was not working, they asked the younger brother to come and help their relationship. As I was thinking about that story, it reminded me of this text that sometimes we don't realize that receiving the gospel means that we've received the invitation to the dance floor. And so we come to the dance floor with God our Father, and He's saying, Let's dance. And there are some who start to dance and God delights in them as they are dancing freely before his presence. And then there are others who choose to go, Lord, you are inconveniencing me. I should be doing something else. I should be sleeping. I should be resting. I should be working. You are inconveniencing me. And by the way, I don't like the fact that you seem to like those cats more than you like me. What we don't understand, that the delight of the Father has been given to all. Thus, he calls all of us to the dance floor. But sometimes our hardness of heart is not that the gospel is not working in us. It's only because we've chosen not to dance. Some of you this evening have chosen not to dance. You don't feel the love or the delight of the Father because you've stopped dancing. You watch others dance and you, you long for that kind of relationship, but yet... On the dance floor, every day, every Sunday, every connect group, every moment that you get at work, you choose not to dance because it's too inconvenient for you. So you don't experience the delight of the Father. He delights in you. He loves to be with you. He's created everything you need so that he can be in your presence so that he can be 
with you. I love the way Graham Cook puts this point. He said, God put you in the one place where everything he is and everything he has can become yours. Everything he is and everything he has can become yours. Being in Christ is the one place where God's favor and your brokenness have to collide. It is the only place where true transformation can happen in your life. Being hidden in Christ is the only place where that transformation can happen in you. Have you ever been broken and you went to another friend or your wife and hoped that they would give you what God would give you and you realize that they're only giving you stuff that comes from their own brokenness and you're longing for them to show you perfect love but they have nothing else to give but imperfect love and you end up being offended by your own wife, by your own husband, by your own friends, girlfriend, boyfriend, for some of you here tonight. Amen, Lee, right? <laughs> I knew. The Lord said, he who loves is the one who wants to obey. <laughs> Listen, there is a place in God that his favor becomes your portion. Goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. Psalm 23. Do you understand the revelation of that scripture? It means as a Christian, it is normative. It is normal for me to live every day expecting something good to happen. It is normal for me to wake up every day anticipating his mercy for my weakness and his goodness for my brokenness. It is normal. And so when I wake up on a day-to-day anticipating all the stuff that's going to overwhelm me, all the stuff that I don't have control over, I begin to overwhelm my thoughts, overwhelm my heart with things that cannot empower me. But when I realize that I'm, I am in Christ, that is my position. That position cannot be changed by my thoughts That position cannot be changed by my friend's thoughts about me. That position cannot be altered because he engraved me upon his heart. Nobody else can take away what God has placed in his heart. Decision of devotion is that you need to know, one, that you are in Christ. Secondly, we need to be convinced by Christ. He says, set me as a seal upon your heart and upon your arm. But then she continues to describe what love is, the love that they have together. And he says, love is as strong as death, jealousy uh, as the grave, jealousy as demanding as the grave. And he's Using these terms, and the last term that he uses, he starts to speak about fire, but it's flashes of fire, even that of the fire of the Lord. And he uses three definitions, three descriptions of love, uh, death, grave, and fire, all of which are all-consuming. The grave, death, fire consumes everything. He describes love as an all-consuming entity. That it grabs a hold of everything. 
It leaves nothing outside. It leaves nothing untouched. It leaves nothing uncalled un- 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 by, by God into its fullness. Death, grave, and fire. This is what God's love is like towards you. Paul describes this differently. It's one of my favorite verses. I know every Sunday I preach, I tell you this is one of my favorite verses. Fortunately, there's one area that if I lie, God doesn't mind. (laughs) Romans 8. Lord, I'm sorry for that. Okay, great. (laughs) Romans 8, verse 38. Paul puts it perfectly. Here's what he says. I am convinced and continue amplified version to be convinced beyond any doubt that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present and threatening, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the unlimited love of God, which is in Christ our Lord. Are you convinced tonight? Are you sure tonight? Are you certain this evening of his love toward you? I used to read the scripture and sometimes I used to feel condemned because to be honest, I wasn't too sure. I wasn't too convinced. The reason why I wasn't too sure and I wasn't too convinced, I was adamant that for God to love me, things must be a particular way in my life. They must look a particular way. They must feel a particular way. As a matter of fact, for me to be convinced of his li- love, he must make me wake up and have goosebumps towards him. And when I woke up and I wasn't having goosebumps towards God, something was off tilt in my mind. When I realized that my circumstances still stayed the same. There's a friend of mine who's here and we've been talking about a trial that he's been going through for the last, I think it's a year now. The same trial he's been going through, I said to him, hey, I'm on my fifth year of that trial. Five years. Every year, I've gone through the same thing. It's not that I haven't pressed in harder in Christ. But what has changed is my perspective of my pain. Five years. My wife and I are still going in it. Five years. Hasn't changed a bit. It looks good on a one day, and then, man, it's a mess the following day. She's laughing because she knows. Five years, I am more convinced after five years of going through the same trial of his love towards me. I'm more convinced because even in the moments of trials, even in the moments of joy, what creates the foundation for me to live life the way I do is his love for me, not the circumstance but he's love for me. The moment I set that as my foundation, it is hard to be moved. It is hard to be shaken. Circumstances come and go. Good moments come and go. Disappointments come and go. But I need to set my life on the one thing that does not move, that I'm convinced of, and that is his love. Here's the trick to loving God, is this. Ultimately, One of the greatest disciplines of the Christian life is learning to be loved. If you want to be convinced of his love, you need to position yourself on the regular to be loved. 
as unlovable as you are to the person sitting next to you and as you are to the person sitting in your seat, you need to position yourself to be loved. This discipline allows us to do the one thing that we cannot do for God, which is to love him perfectly. We cannot love God unless he loves us. 1 John 4 verse 19 says, we love because he first loved us. It wasn't our love that initiated this relationship, but it is his love that initiated it. C.S. Lewis says this, and I love it. He says, the Christian does not think God will love us because we are good, but that God will make us good because he loves us. The The transformative power of love is that when we receive his love, we are changed. He changes us. We become something, but also we get to give something. Can I ask for, Matt, can you come up here with me, Paul, for a second? Now, one of the the issues with the whole love issue is this, that we tend to think that love is found in the source of humans. But the problem is, the Bible tells us that God is love. In other words, God is the source of love. But we as humans are the containers. We get to receive his love, and as a result of receiving his love, we can love other people. So here's what happens. I come to Matt, who has nothing in his hands, and I say, Matt, give me some love. Matt has got nothing on him. I got him poor, who just led worshipfully, so, so, so wonderfully. I say, give me some love, and he has nothing for me. And I'm disappointed continually by the fact that I've gone to people that I thought were my source and they couldn't provide for me what I wanted. But the Bible says that what we need to do is that we need to go to the source. We need to go to God. We receive love from him. By receiving love from from him, we are now empowered to be givers of love. Now when I go to Matt, I have something to give him. It's not mine. He might receive it as mine, but it's not mine. I only have it because I received it from the source. And so I can be able to give Matt. I can be able to give him Paul. Thank you, gentlemen. If you want to love the people around you better, receive love from God. You know, maybe some of you are like me. I wish I had a graph to show this. I used to think that if I had a pie chart, a quarter of it will, you know, a pie chart of love, if you will, a quarter of it is me loving God, another quarter of it is me loving my wife, another quarter is me loving my friends or my kids, another quarter is me, you know, loving my colleagues. But the reality of it, it doesn't work like that. The only way that love really works is when we receive fullness of love from God. And we can begin to pour out those that are around us love is the strongest death in your relationship with Christ are you able to say to define your love with him your love his love for you as strong as death that he's so jealous towards you that it's as the grave that his jealousy towards you is that he wants you all to himself 
that it's not a envy, it's not a bad jealousy, but it's a jealousy that wants you all to himself, that you would have no other gods, as the first commandments tells us, to be fully his and him to be fully ours. That our hearts to be filled with this fire that is constantly burning the bad things of our souls continually as we allow more wood by the word of God, by the spirit of God, through prayer, through community, to be put into our lives that the stuff that needs to burn off will actually burn off. Are we convinced of the love of God? And lastly, we need to endure with Christ. We need to endure with Christ. Verse 7, the second part of verse 7, she says the following. She says, if you try to obtain love with wealth, then you will be utterly despised. Song of Songs 8, chapter 7, second part. If you try to obtain love with wealth, then you will be utterly despised. In essence, here's what I want to say. There are no shortcuts to intimacy. There are none. You can't buy yourself into a great marriage. I don't care how much of a blesser you are. You just can't. You just can't. Pastor Paul is here, I think. Right there at the back. How are you doing? Can we just acknowledge Pastor Paul? It's good to see you. I feel so intimidated now. Good to see you. Pastor Paul is one of the pastors in our city. It's good to see you. Great man. Um, Pastor Paul. I'm starting my sermon now. <laughs> I'm totally playing. So, in essence, there are no shortcuts. You can't pay yourself into love. You can't church yourself into love. You can't connect group yourself into love. All those things are important. But none of those things are shortcuts into his love. Intimacy comes with time. time. It comes with sacrifice. It comes with protecting the longing of your heart for the one that you love. That you choose to blind yourself to the other things that seem to call you so that your heart can remain fixed on the one. Listen, I, I am... I have been tempted more times than I care to remember. There are, few, there are a couple of things that make me choose not to do something stupid. One, I love God. Listen, I could take you back to 10 years ago when I decided to follow Jesus. And I remember feeling this unworthiness of, Lord, man, there's, there's not follow Jesus, but to, to give my life to, to, to ministry. Man, Lord, there's no way you can call me to this. But I knew I would do whatever he wants me to do because I love him. I remember what it's like to be loved when I'm completely unworthy to be loved. Do you remember what that feels like? You see, now we've read enough scriptures to kind of convince ourselves that we are good enough somewhat for God. 
that we, we know the right things to say. We've given enough money. We've tithed enough. We've said amen to the preacher long enough to go, Lord, I'm not as bad as. But there was a time when I couldn't say that, that I knew that I was the worst of them all. And in that moment, before any scripture, before any amen, before any uh, fellowship where I did something good for somebody else, he chose to say, I love you, kid. I want you in my presence. When, when I remember that, there, there's this flurry of emotion that come to my heart of, Lord, man, I remember what it's like to be called when I'm unworthy. Do you remember what that feeling is like? First reason why I try not to do anything stupid is because I love God so much. Second reason, I love my wife. I really do. I love my wife and I love my kids. Now, my kids are crazy. My daughter's turning six tomorrow. She's been telling us for an entire year that she will be turning six. <laughs> love my kids. But I love my friends. There's, there's men I get to work with, some are in this room who I'm accountable to. I love them too much to do something stupid and destroy what we have. I want to add to their life. I want to give to their life. I'm not sitting around every time I sit with them expecting them to give me something. I am trying to find a way to give them something of me. That is my life with the friends that I have. Lastly, it's because of you. Uh, most of you don't even know me and that's all good. But I chose to live a life that somehow you can go, all right, I can follow some of that. I can follow some of that example. Because I saw in the word, Paul's like, guys, just follow me as I follow Christ. There are things that I can be vulnerable with you and say, man, I'm not perfect in this. But there are other things that I can challenge you strongly because I know, hey, I've walked a road in this. And if you follow my example in this, you'll be good. You'll be all right. And so my stewardship is not just in my relationship with God or my, or my wife or my kids or even my friends. It, it is to you. One of the reasons why you are not doing stupid decisions. Do you, have, do you have things that are way more important than those small desires of your heart? Because if you don't, if there's nothing in your life that you're willing to go, man, this is too much of a sacrifice for me to make for this momentary desire. If you don't have those things in your life, then you will keep on falling to every single desire that comes your way. You must have something that is greater than your immediate need for ratification. To endure with Christ is to acknowledge that we will not take shortcuts. We want to make it all the way till the end. We want to live in his presence all the way till the end. Matthew 22, 37 to 38. And he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. So, if you choose not to take shortcuts in the kingdom, this is how you do it. You live your life pursuing the loving God with all. See, that's the rest of our lives right there. He tells us straight, this is the greatest commandment. Out of everything you can do in the Bible, this is the greatest and it is the first. If you want to know what you need to do when you wake up tomorrow morning, it is this right here. Love the Lord your God with 
all. The journey of intimacy with Christ is learning how to live all. To love him with all of our hearts, all of our minds, all of our souls, with everything in us that we continuously learn to say no to what we need to say no to and say yes to him. Say yes to him. Francis Chan says, our greatest fear should not be our failure, but of succeeding at things in life that don't really matter. Right? We shouldn't be scared that, oh my word, if I start this business, it might not work. We shouldn't be scared that, oh my word, if I, if I ask her out or she might say no. Fellas, come on now. shouldn't be scared of all those things. We should rather be scared that when it's all said and done, we'll look back and go, man, maybe I gave myself to stuff that actually didn't matter. That what mattered more than anything was loving him with all. Was giving myself to him with all my mind, all my soul, all my heart. Where you at in your all journey? With God? Are you enduring with Christ through every single thing that you're going through? Or are there some things that are just way too big for you to break through? That you're going, man, this last, last week I, I had two conversations with, with guys who are lost. They don't know Jesus. They, they want to know him, but they're they struggling. And one guy I was speaking to, great guy, I Hoped he would be here tonight, but see, he's not here. Thus, I am sharing this story. <laughs> um, great guy. He's got money. He looks great. He he's a he's a fitness instructor guy. He was looking he was looking awesome. And um, we're having this conversation, and he he mentions to me, man, I've been struggling with my girlfriend, and you know, I tried to get her to move in with me, but she won't move in with me, and Anyway, we've broken up now. So we start having this conversation, and I start sharing a few things with him. And one of those things was sex. We didn't mean to go into that conversation, but it came up. And, and, and in me talking about sex, I started to share how the best place for sex is like fire in a fireplace. It's marriage. And then he said, listen, <laughs> I love his honesty. Um, I love his honesty. He said, Listen, um, you know, I love the principles of the Bible. I love the Bible. You know, and I think sometimes we, we shouldn't read the Bible literally. <laughs> and that's the problem with religion is that sometimes people read the Bible literally and then bad things happen. So for me, I read the Bible as a spiritual book for enlightenment. I thought to myself, man, you found the right pastor right now. <laughs> This is a good place. And uh, I started having this conversation with him. We're going to start doing one-to-one with each other. Every week, I think on Thursday, we're going to be doing one-to-one up in Starbucks. So if you walk around there, you see me with somebody, just pray. Just throw a little shabbat. <laughs> I was, I was, we were praying the other day. My son was on over praying in tongues. And my son goes to my wife. He's like, Mommy, what is shabbat? Listen, 
Run out of time. Come on. So he says this. He, he says, you know, out of all the things in the Bible, that's one thing I can't give up. I, there's no way that I, I, I am going to wait until I'm married to have sex because, you know, how will I know that it's going to be good? How will I know? And I said, chap, this is such a great question. Such a great question. That's why every week you and I need to just read that one-to-one. -one we need to just talk with each other. Come, let's, let's engage. And here's the truth, is that we can laugh at this example. We can hear this example and somehow think that we are different because we've said yes and amen to Jesus. But yet continually, daily, there are things that we go here and no further. I'm good with you. I love you, Lord, with all but a little bit. I need this area here. Not when it comes to money because I can't trust the church when it comes to this area. Not, not when it comes to my relationship with my girlfriend because, you know, I, this is okay. We're not doing, we're not harming anyone. We just, the two of us, in our own place, doing our own thing. Oh, Lord, not just this little bit that I'm doing that nobody sees in my company. It's fine. So I'll love you with all. For as long as the all meets my need. For as long as the all echoes my place of comfort. few years ago when we started leading this congregation I reminded you guys I reminded you guys and I set a tone of what we are going to do every week every day who we are what God has called us to do it's very simple three things we are called to help people to follow Jesus to help people to fish with other believers lastly help people to fish for men Fellowship with believers and fish for men. Now, here's the thing. All of those things that we do as a family, we do not from a place of comfort. We do from a place of courage. We follow Jesus from a place of courage. It takes courage to say, Lord, I know you've called me to be at home with my kids as a wife. I could be earning a lot of money, but you've called me to be here. It takes courage to follow Jesus into that place. It takes courage. To, to walk across the room in your, in your office and share something with your friend, invite them to your house, invite them to a connect group. It takes courage. All these three things that we do, we do them from a place of courage. Because when we do them from a place of co comfort, we end up compromising the exact message that we're being called to preach. So I want to challenge you this evening to do your relationship with God, to challenge yourself, to live beyond the comfort of your relationship with Jesus. That the things that now you've grown accustomed to, they've become comfortable for you. There's a rhythm that you now enjoy in Christ and it's kind of hard to break that rhythm. I'm encouraging you to step out of the comfort and embrace courage. And here's why you can do it, because you are in Christ. You are in the place of favor. You can deep dive, swim wide, backstroke as much as you want because you are in Christ. There's nothing more comforting for me than the fact that regardless of how I wake up tomorrow, he will still be standing the same way he stood yesterday. He is unchanging towards me. No matter how many times I do what I do, he's unchanging towards me. I appeal to you, if you want to live this life of love with God, 
If you want to live a life of deep holiness and devotion to God, live in Christ with courage. And I hope you enjoy the adventure that you get to live in him. Lord, we thank you for your word this evening. Lord, I pray that even as we come to the end of this series, that for some of us, we would embrace the challenge of a new level of relationship. Father, we thank you for everything you've taught us up until this point. We thank you for everything you've given us up until this point. We are so aware that on the other side of comfort, there's more. And so, Lord, take our hand, walk with us into the more that you have for us. Lord, we change our minds, we change our thinking, we repent of the things that we've chosen to live within that area of comfort and we ask you for more this evening. Give us more, Lord. Speak to us as we read your word. Speak to us as we pray. Lead our hearts, lead our minds, lead our lives in Jesus' name. there's anyone here who wants to give their life to Jesus, you know that you're not right with Jesus. You're not following him. That as you hear this message of being in Christ, you know that you're not in Christ. You've lived apart from him. You say, I want to be there. I want to be in Christ. I want to be in that consecrated place. That's you this evening. You're saying, I want to give my life to Jesus. To God who became man, lived the perfect life, died a painful death, that in his resurrection he might open the door so that anyone who is willing to give up their life would now gain their life again as they give their life to Jesus Christ and receive eternal life and salvation for their souls, their lives. That's you saying, I want to give my life to him. That's you this evening mind just lifting up your hands we want to pray for you we want to walk with you we want to assist you in your journey if anyone here who's saying i want to give my life to him be courageous enough to just lift up your hand so we can see you and pray with you anybody here amen amen anybody else anybody else church can we stand i want to ask uh a courageous hand that went up. Young lady, if you wouldn't mind coming to join us up here in the front. Um, <coughs> Uncle Rob is also going to come. Let's give her a hand as she comes. All right, family, we're going to do something together. We're going to pray a prayer together. I'll ask you to pray this prayer after me. This prayer is not magic, but it's a declaration of Lord, we are positioned in you. We are repenting of sin and we are coming to the fullness of your lordship over our lives. So, since you wouldn't mind praying this prayer with me and let's pray this prayer along with the Lord Jesus. This evening, I receive you as Lord. I, I repent of my sin. I step away from my past and I receive your salvation. I confess with my mouth and I believe with my heart 
that you are the Lord Jesus who died for me and who rose that I might have eternal life. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Come on, let's